Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is the TLC Show from Trinity Lutheran in Norfolk, Virginia with Pastor Jonathan Mraz. I'm your host, James Heft. Lent has now come upon us and all the symbolism that is associated with it. In this podcast, we talk about that symbolism with Pastor Jonathan Mraz. We talk about ashes, we talk about fasting, and we talk about looking to the cross. And so without belaboring the point, let's get right to it with Pastor Jonathan Mraz and the TLC Show. Pastor Mraz, good to be with you again. Good to be here. Absolutely. So I... We are recording on a very busy day. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and it's, it's Ash Wednesday. This will be posted uh, the day after. Um, and a couple of points that we want to talk about tonight certainly are the, uh, you know, what, are, what is the symbolism of Ash Wednesday? We're getting into the season of Lent. What, what's Lent all about uh, and what have you? And then, of course, we're going to go into a little bit about what a lot of people do during Lent, and that is the concept of fasting. But before we get there, uh, we are just leaving the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany is all about revelations, and we just had Transfiguration Sunday, uh, which is what a lot of people might say is Jesus' ultimately ultimate revelation that he is the Son of God to his apostles. So talk a little bit about uh, how you felt Trinity responded uh, to this season, and um, you know what? Well, of course, there's some subjectivity in that, but uh, uh, you know, to speak about what the season we've talked about, what the season was, Epiphany, which means revealing or manifestation, and um, that uh, we had a series of accounts of Jesus being revealed, unveiled. Uh, started way back with the wise men mm-hmm. coming through, and and then uh, various other things. His first miracle at Cana, and um, ultimately ending this past Sunday with the Transfiguration, which, like you said, kind of the ultimate reveal. Uh, of course. So, uh, who, so those who don't know what that is, what what happened? Okay, the Transfiguration, as as it described biblically. Uh, Jesus takes some of his disciples up on a mountaintop to pray, and in the midst of his prayer time, he uh, is transfigured. And the transfigure is described pretty simply, but uh, you know his face begins to shine, his clothes become dazzling white. Uh, what it turns out to be is the glimpse of his divinity. Now we've seen his divinity say with the wise men and they come to worship him as the new king uh, with his miracles etc um, but now you know he, he just pulls back the curtain a tiny bit uh, you know man cannot look at the totally unrevealed or revealed God and live mm-hmm. but he just gives them a little glimpse and they need it because in the next few weeks, 
there's going to be, as I started the sermon, I think this week, I said it's, it's all going to be downhill for a while. <laughs> right, and, and these <laughs> images of mountains that are in the Bible, and mm-hmm. I thought you were very apt to use Calvary uh, in, yes. in your sermon this last week. Um, you know, Moses receives the Ten Commandments on the mountain. God was in a cloud, right? Sure. Uh, and the same thing happened here as uh, Jesus was up on the mountain. Again, a cloud descended. You know, you knew that this was God right. uh, and God's presence. Well, the voice speaks from the cloud, the Father. So, And then jumping ahead, um, you know, past, past the crucifixion uh, to his ascension. Mm-hmm. Again, that's on a mountain <laughs> right. with clouds right. and that sort of thing. So really incredible imagery there but also i loved what you said about jesus was talking to elijah and moses but what happens to him on calvary he's between yeah two thieves not between two prophets instead of praying between two prophets he's hanging between two thieves and you know we talk about the glory of god god does things different and that picture really is a supreme picture of his glory. doesn't look like glory when you're hanging there bloody and beaten and your life's ebbing away, but that is his glory for us because it's through that act that we are saved. Absolutely. And so it's that foreshadowing that brings us here now to Ash Wednesday. Yes. And there's a phrase you know used every every year um, from the Bible the verse uh, is Ecclesiastes 3 verse 20 all go to one place all are from the dust and dust all return mm-hmm. without a savior because <laughs> yeah, if you were gonna dot 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 this is you know, the, this. You know, the, the uh, reminder that we are mortal uh, and when we, we speak those words, or a little paraphrase of those words, uh, we practice the imposition of ashes here at Trinity. And uh, in that, placing the ashes in the f- form of a cross, typically on someone's forehead, then uh, we speak those words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. Um, we have no hope without a Savior. And, you know, this Lenten period that we're entering into beginning today, um, it's, it's a time to remember, uh, to remember who we are and our helplessness and what it is that we need and that we can't supply it or find it or earn it or whatever. Uh, it has to come from outside of us and it comes from Jesus. Talk about that that process of the imposition of ashes. There's many churches that number one they don't practice it at all. Right. Um, first of all, where where does it come from? What what where it, are the ashes? It, it what is, are they okay. physically? So th- this is uh, I mean the practice of imposition. Obviously, it's not biblical. It doesn't come out of the Bible. We're not ordered to do it. It's one of those things that, again, is adiaphora. It uh, goes on from tradition. It was started in the church, developed over time. Um, typically what people do is, uh, like, where do we get the ashes from? Literally, uh, common practice is to take the 
palm leaves of uh, Easter and burn them down to ash and then retain them until the following Ash Wednesday where they're used uh, in the in the rite. Yeah. Um, Although I guess Isaiah, particularly during the Lenten season, is going to be referred to a lot. Uh, and I, I, if I recollect properly, I guess in Isaiah 58, he talks a lot about, um, you know, sackcloth and ashes and yeah. you know, that, that the sort repentant, of imagery. The uh, repentant practice, especially in the Old Testament, uh, was to go to sackcloth and ashes. In other words, to uh, throw off all things of luxury or ease to bring yourself down to kind of the lowest point you can come, um, it's, a, it's an attitude. And those uh, practices of sackcloth and ashes uh, represent the attitude that we are dust. So why is that important for a penitent Christian to do? Well, why, why yeah. you know, some might even argue that you know, having the cross on your forehead is an act of testifying publicly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hesitate to say it's important for them to do because, again, it's audiophora. It's not commanded, nor is it forbidden. It's a practice that's grown up in the church, uh, meant to be a help, a mnemonic uh, for the believer. Um, and, and the imposition of the ashes on the believer is... Uh, for them, a reminder for them, uh, a visual one. You know, the Lord uses visual things. Again, this is not a commanded act, but it's one that uh, the church has developed for a purpose, and the purpose is to, um, you know, we, since we are people that feel and see and touch and hear, uh, it's something that we can see and feel. Do you personally, as the pastor, as the one who is imposing <laughs> the ashes, sure. do you feel something when you're doing that? Um, you know, emotionally, not necessarily. Um, not anymore. I mean, I, 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 if there's anything that's emotional for me, some, it often comes in preaching. But, uh, you know, I could argue that the imposition of ashes is a form of preaching. Mm-hmm. So, but whether I have anything emotional or not, I'll, my opinion is irrelevant. It's the, um, for the person that's receiving it, to remember who they are and what they need. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 if people choose to not come forward to receive them, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, when they do, uh, again, it's for them. If they're going to take it, you know, I'm going to make sure I get mine in the morning so I can run down to the bank and everyone will see I'm a good Christian. <laughs> uh, that's a problem. Uh, but, you know, it can be a silent witness yeah. to the public because they begin to know. And maybe it's, you know, hey, buddy, do you know you got dirt on your forehead? Uh, the possibility to speak the gospel to somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Lent starts off with 
what a lot of people would say, very reflective uh, on your mortality mood um, yes. with yeah. this imposition of ashes. And the whole season, I mean, just even the colors, the color, you know, either purple yeah. or, you know, a dark blue, the church, uh, you know, tonight will have... Um, May I don't I don't know I haven't seen it but it might have some black uh, in there certainly on Good Friday it's it's mm-hmm. going to have black yeah. um, and even at the end of service uh, this past Sunday we put the Alleluia away correct uh, so why do we do this why why do we reflect and and remember this way you know to set aside a, a time or a season specifically for. Um, concentrating on the fact that our Lord took on flesh and uh, although perfect suffered not just physical death but the the death of hell in our place um, it's a good thing to set aside some time to remember <laughs> that uh, you know honestly we just we get everyone loves the baby Jesus stuff and which is wonderful but if Jesus is incarnate and born of a virgin uh, which he was and lives a perfect life which he did and then goes away it means nothing there's nothing there for us (laughs) it has to culminate in his death yeah so what can we expect here at Trinity? What, what is going to be, um, is there going to be a theme through this season? We, we do have a theme. Or, or in our midweek services especially, we have a theme of, uh, based on the book of Exodus, let my people go. And, you know, the, the imagery of being set free. And of course, we have the story of the Israelites being in slavery for 400 years and then uh, being led to freedom by God through Moses. Um, but we have a greater story of being set free that's going to culminate actually 46 days from now (laughs) in uh, Easter. So if you're giving something up, you have to wait a little bit longer than than your normal 40 days. Yeah, well, it's always been 46. The thing is, the 40 (laughs) days of Lent, uh, the Sundays are not counted. Oh, they're not counted. So there's six Sundays in there that are not counted. So there's actually 40 days of Lent, but there's 46 days till Easter. So those six Sundays are not in it. So just just like Christmas with the candy canes and the, the, the pine trees from the Christmas tree, sure. there are some things that have crept into our culture uh, re- regarding regarding Lent, so sure. um, the the most visible one would be Mardi Gras. Um, yeah, that's just Fat Tuesday, Shrove, Shrove Tuesday, Tuesday, Shrove. You know, I'll mention quickly this Shrove is kind of a archaic word that uh, comes from shrive, which means to repent. Um, and you know, we had a pancake supper here yesterday. This, and again, the use of the pancakes because they're. There was a, a need to kind of get rid of the uh, luxuries of mm-hmm. food. There's, you're going to eat simpler meals. Uh, Fasting is often associated with Lent, etc. 
So they use up all their butter and eggs and everything with uh, pancakes. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't read the article today, but I saw. Um, I'll have to find out whether or not this is quote unquote fake news or or what have you. <laughs> right. Because um, I saw it on social media. You never know. Uh, but I, I guess seventeenth century monks. Uh, part of their fast was to drink beer. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. That was their supplement for yeah. for some food. Uh, so yeah. interesting form of fasting there. But that's the Although other Although a good beer is like food to me. Exactly. <laughs> very very true. Um, but yeah, the I, I know coming from Michigan, um, it, it wasn't part of my tradition, even though it probably could have, because I, I do have Polish heritage. Uh, but but the punchki, uh, which is, do not call it a jelly donut. It's it's not a jelly donut. Um, but uh, but punchki's big. I, I saw in Hamtramck they they were making punchki hamburgers. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's lots of good stuff that that, that comes from Lent, including our soup suppers. Yes. Uh, we have five midweek services uh, on Wednesday evenings uh, after this uh, Ash Wednesday service. And um, we offer a, a soup supper. starts at 5.30 on those Wednesdays. And soup and bread, simple meal, but mm-hmm. uh, a chance for fellowship and to come together before our, our opportunities to worship. And I know through like the Catholic tradition, uh, I, I mean may, maybe it's even a Lutheran tradition. I don't know, but but Friday uh, and fish um, has kind of been a big yeah. deal. Now this is actually something interesting. I came across this today because I mean this uh, there was a practice, and there still is, I would say, in Roman Catholicism of uh, Fridays having no meat. Um, so, you know, some of the peripheral things connected to that, for instance, um, the development of the fish fillet sandwich at yeah. McDonald's. Yep. That uh, their sales went way down, so they tried to come up with something else, and they came up, and I love those sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> fillet of fish sandwich. But I just read today about uh, some South American countries who the church has de- designated capybaras, which is a actually, I think it's the world's largest rodent. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. Uh, they have designated them as fish. Nice. So that people can eat fish. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So that kind of just brings though into the larger context the the bigger concept that I want to finish up the podcast on is talking about fasting. Yes. Okay. What it is and and what it isn't. Now, if you look at Matthew six verses sixteen through eighteen. Uh, Jesus addresses it. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so that's the gospel according to Matthew. And right. so, again, I mean, it's referenced by Christ. So clearly it's something yeah. that I, you, you can do, but yeah. you, put the, you juxtapose that then with the very famous gospel verse from John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God was the one who gave. It's not us right. who have to give anything up. 
He's the one who made the sacrifice. This is one of the things. Fasting, you know, again, you mentioned, I mean, Jesus Jesus fasted. It was a practice he maintained. Uh, and all I have to do is read the temptation of Jesus. And what did he do? He fasted for 40 days before he uh, was, was assaulted by uh, the temptations of the devil. But he never... He doesn't condemn fasting, nor does he command it. Uh, and in fact, you might remember in Scripture, um, some of the Pharisees and scribes come to Jesus complaining, hey, your disciples don't fast. Like, you should, you should reprimand them. But uh, he does not reprimand them because it is not a law. Um, you know, fasting... Uh, Martin Luther puts it this way. He says, fasting can be good training for the will, but God does not command particular times, places, or forms even for fasting. Uh, fasting, you know, a lot of people think of fasting as starving yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's possible, though, to fast from, for instance, a particular item. Um, it's good discipline. It's good training. It's bodily training. I have fasted myself on a number of occasions for different things, not necessarily always for Lent, but there was one Lenten period where I fasted from meat, just at my own choice. Uh, Why? Well, because, uh, again, it's kind of a mnemonic for me. It's a reminder so that when I'm hungry for a hamburger, uh, it reminds me, no, I'm refraining from that for a time. to remind myself, uh, and, and I use that as a reminder to pray, to uh, have devotion, to uh, just re- recall, uh, be be reflective of what it is that uh, this period we're going through. Um, you know, the problem, of course, when you have things like fasting, um, it has a tendency to morph into law and it loses kind of its voluntary character and it becomes, you know, it begins to be imposed, uh, for instance, by clergy or the church. Uh, We Lutherans do not do that. It's an option, but it's one that you choose to do. So you think of, uh, uh, like the Lutheran confessions teach that right Fasting is kind of a fruit of repentance uh, in the same way as right praying or right uh, tithing or something. That uh, it's useful for keeping the flesh in check, but um, it's purely external for the preparatory act of actually spiritual activity. So this is where, again, we get back to... Uh, you know, slapping the table, pounding the knee, whatever, yeah. about what it is to be a Lutheran in the sense that, you know, obviously, according to the Gospel of James, faith without works is, is dead, right. right? But at the same time, we are not saved by our works. No. So fasting is not something, again, that that we can do to get into heaven. It's not one right. of those check-in-the-box things. Exactly. It's, it's not... Uh... We, we do nothing to earn our salvation. That is a gift. Um, you know, a person of faith might use a mnemonic. If fasting's it, that's it. I have, uh, you know, maybe you put something on your um, 
clock or phone to ring a bell uh, so you remember, you know, I'm going to stop right now and do a devotion or pray or you have things sent to your email that interrupts your work day so that you can say, no, I need to pause a moment and maybe, uh, you know, and that's not just a Lenten thing, that's a year-round thing, that's a life thing. Yeah. It's a mindset, uh, you know. Again, it's it's the the Christian mindset. I would think, hope, you know, that it would be a broader Christian mindset, yeah. not just the Lutheran mindset. But it's why we still, you know, you've been doing the catechesis. Yeah. So it's it's not that the Ten Commandments go away. No, <laughs> you know, no. it's not that we don't live. Um, you know, don't we don't recognize the law. You know, the flesh looks at the law as something we have to do. Um, Faith looks at it as something we want to do. Right. There's a difference there. So, there we go. We're we're into the Lenten season, and uh, it's it's really a fantastic time to be reflective about yourself and about your your salvation, and that it came at the ultimate sacrifice by. Our Savior. So, with that, Pastor, would you mind leading us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son, our Savior Jesus, and we ask that you help us to spend, especially this Lenten season, in reflection and remembrance of who He is and what He's done, uh, what you gave up for our benefit. We pray that uh, you would lead people into churches to hear your word and that it would be rightly preached and that they would receive your gifts of forgiveness and life. Uh, Help us to be here at Trinity a light in the world, especially during this time of Lent. And uh, we look forward to that Easter light coming to us down the road. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Mraz, Pastor Jonathan Mraz, the pastor here at Trinity Lutheran in Norfolk, Virginia. We are located at 6001 Granby Street. And as Pastor mentioned, our suppers every Wednesday uh, here through the Lenten season are at 530. That midweek service is also at 7 p.m. On Sunday mornings, uh, you can find us for a Bible study at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., Uh, And also, uh, if you are interested in leaving a comment about the podcast, you can either send us an email to tlc at trinitylutheranorfolk.org. You can also, if you're listening to this on Facebook or on Podbean uh, or on our website, you can leave a comment there. And of course, that website is trinitylutheranorfolk.org. Almost all the information you need to know about our congregation can be found there. So until next time, God's blessings to you. I've been your host, James Heft. Take care.